Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungle's closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Playing Around podcast. I'm your host, Paige Renee. We have two people here, and I'm really excited. So we have Tanner Jester and Samantha Marks joining us today, and we have a packed episode. So let's just get right on into it. I first wanted to start off with something that isn't so much fun to talk about, but I think it's necessary to talk about since it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So I went in for my regular checkup and my doctor found a lump in my breast and it freaked me out. (laughs) And so the next day I had to go and get an ultrasound and it was 24 hours of basically like not knowing what was going on. I think when you hear those words, like you have a lump, you automatically assume the absolute worst. And it was just absolutely terrifying. And I am not fully in the clear. Yeah, I still have to do a biopsy, but they said it looks pretty good. Um, but I just wanted to remind everyone to go get checked to make sure you're doing your annual check-ins with your doctors. Because again, they said that if it is something I caught it at a good time early on while I'm still young. So I just wanted to do a very quick reminder on that for everyone listening, because it is very, very important. I'm sure Sam keeps up with hers, but as a guy, Dan, I know that you guys hate the doctor <laughs> and never right. go to check up. So have you been doing your checkups? Why would I go to that witch? <laughs> yeah, right. you don't believe in uh, modern medicine? To a point, right? Uh, I think this is where the disconnect is, though. When you see a lump in a guy's boob, you immediately think steroids. True. So my question to you is, are you on the gas? No, I, I'm, I'm definitely not. Definitely not. Okay, not, pulling sure. any, not pulling any Bryson's over here. Um, Ooh, I could, that's though. That's a wild allegation. <laughs> right off the bat. 
moving on again, everyone just go get your checkups, check-ins, uh, whatever you need to do, stay safe and healthy out there. I know, we know so many people who've been affected, um, by this or it's impacting them now. And, uh, just wanted to share that before we move on, but we do have so much to talk about. It was a wild week and college football. Um, so many amazing games. I think we had probably the game of the year was Tennessee beating Alabama. Did you guys both watch the game? Yeah, I did for sure. Um, I I'm like an anybody but Bama fan, which I feel like you have to be if you aren't an Alabama fan. So I was happy to see Tennessee win. We'll get into why I wasn't happy with the, uh, ending in a moment. It's a little bittersweet for me, Paige. Uh, as you know, Josh Heupel was the coach of my university. The AD, Danny White, was also the AD of UCF. They left us. So it's like senior X succeed, which I do every day. Um, however, I do have a Hendon Hooker Heisman ticket. So that's looking pretty good right now. I got it at like 80 to 1 at the beginning of the season. Nice, nice. Yeah, it was a really great game. A lot of back and forth. Um, but let's, let's get into why Sam was a little pissed off so once tennessee beat alabama they rushed the field which they were fined a hundred thousand dollars for and on top of that they ripped their own goalpost out of the ground and carried it through the streets of tennessee knoxville are they in knoxville yeah, Knoxville. knoxville tennessee to the bars and now they're groping for money yeah, um, this was, you know, I haven't I haven't stirred up my side of Twitter in a while. So I was about it was due time. Um, and I got a lot of like, wow, you're fun at parties. But in my opinion, it's just kind of embarrassing. Also, I will note, no offense, Dan, there was not a single female in any of the videos that I saw, just college men holding this post and then throwing it in the river. Like, can we, my thing is, let's act like we've been there before. Like, let's act like we're supposed to be winning these games. And to me, it was just kind of, I don't know. I think it's lame, but that's obviously a bad take. Everybody disagreed with me. I don't disagree with that. I, I, I like when people rush the field. I think that's really fun in any sporting arena, a little hard to do in hockey, but at basketball games and at football games, I think that's really fun. I love that tradition, but why ruin your own stadium? That makes no sense to me. Like maybe if you were at Bama stadium, I could see ripping up the goalpost and taking it with you, but it's your own stadium and now you have to pay for it. So Tennessee is asking for denotion. Oh my God. Words are hard, I know. Donations. She's trying to say donations. We'll just keep that in. Tennessee's asking for donations. There we go. And it's uh, you can give $16 because it's been 16 seasons since the Vols beat Alabama. Mm -hmm. You can give 52.49, which is the final score of the, they literally say the breathtaking game. You can give $25, $100. You can give to 50, 500, and then 1,000, 19, and 15, which is the capacity of the stadium. So I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to get people excited because they need to pay for the stadium that their fans destroyed. Um, And they've raised a decent amount so far. I think they've raised over $64,000, but it's like, it's your own stadium. What are you doing? You know, those kids who ripped up the goalposts are not going to donate any money at all because they don't have any money. Listen, donations are an important part to building a national championship winning football program. 
I'm all about ripping up the fucking goalposts, throwing it into the river. It's just guys being dudes. It's having a good time. The best night of my life is when the Philadelphia Phillies won the World Series in 2008. I was on Broad Street. I was rioting. I was with all my high school friends. It was, yeah, the top one night of my life. And maybe that's just, again, another disconnect with guys and girls. Like We just like to blow off steam and also uh, celebrate is kind of like one and the same. But why do you have to destroy things? Like, why is that your instinct is to be like, oh my gosh, we won. I'm so happy. Let me totally just break this window and destroy the city that I love so much. That's what I don't get. It's like you're destroying the city that you love or the stadium that you love. It's like, why? Why do that? If like you're in another, you know, another person's stadium and you won, okay, you can destroy it. I'm not for that, but I would see that a little bit more, but it's like you're doing it to yourself. Like, to your city. Like, you're destroying your city. It makes no sense to me. It's ours. We can we can break it if we want. We'll buy but it. But you don't it. clean it up. It you will. just leave it there for yeah, the yeah. poor people who have to clean it up. And it's, like, not fair. I think it's stupid, too. I thought it was annoying. And then when I saw that they were throwing it into the river, I actually got kind of mad. Like, that's so ridiculous. Take it and, like, throw it in a field. But don't put it in the river. That's so bad. And I'm not really like, I'm not a huge environment freak, but that's just, and then you're, like you said, you're creating problems for someone else. I just feel like there's better ways to celebrate. I do think it's embarrassing that Tennessee is now asking for donations as if they're not like raking in millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, Like not that, not that, I mean, maybe they're trying to get like, you know, pay for what you broke, but I understand the rushing the field thing. I don't think that there's any way to prevent it in that kind of situation. Like you're not going to be able to hold back thousands of, of people. Um, so I don't know what the, what the, uh, the benefit is there, but I did see a lot of people on social responding to my tweet being like, it's tradition. Well, is it tradition if it's happened twice and once was 16 years ago? Cause my traditions happen every year on a continual basis. Mm. And this That's just isn't thing, adding up right? to me. <laughs> these these kids have not been there before, right? They're twenty. They haven't really been relevant in twenty years, and most of them weren't alive. Yeah. And if they were, they like can't remember it. So no, I'm I'm fine with this. Russia field, burn it down. Who cares? Oh God. They'll rebuild, and uh, you know, I I don't I don't really. It's it's nice to have like a new team into the mix because I'm kind of tired of like Alabama, Georgia. I agree with that. Same four it is teams. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, good for good good for them. Good for them. Alabama dropped all the way to six. I saw the new rankings. That's the, how long has it been since they've been six? They're out of the top five. They're still going to make the playoff, by the way. Yeah. I mean, if, if Notre Dame makes it every single year, Bama's more than fine. <laughs> We're going to try to figure out how to get four SEC teams into the playoff. <laughs> we can do it. There's, there's a path. You just know that like construction workers were watching that happen and watching them throw into the river and they're just like, fuck. Like, yeah. That's what I have to deal with tomorrow morning. Like it's all fun and games until it's like it's dropped in the river and you have to figure out how you're going to get it out. And why? Oh, no. That's, why that's they just tough. Grab that goalpost and bring it back to the stadium. They don't need any money, right? Like they just can stick it back in. It's like 5,600 bucks. It's, it's not a big deal. Plus, it's a new tourist attraction, right? It's a new tourist attraction. You can go, you can snorkel the river, you can go to the goalpost where you throw it into the river after you beat Alabama. It's a whole new thing. It's a, yeah. You're right. You're right. They just want to get tourism thriving again in Knoxville, in Knoxville Tennessee. Yeah. Yep. You can dive in and see the goalpost. I actually like that idea. Damn, I was actually just in Knoxville for the uh, Florida game. And they have this entire tailgate of uh, boats. It's like Vol Navy or whatever. It's actually pretty dope. 
It's pretty fun. It's a good so, Dan, do you think things like this solidify that college football is better than the NFL? Oh, easily. Like, I don't. I went to a school that literally doesn't have a chance to win a national championship ever until we get to maybe like a power two conference in thirty years. Uh, even though we claim one from twenty seventeen, uh, but we'll we'll go over that. Um, but yeah, I mean the tradition, the passion, everything's so much better than the corporate game that is the NFL. And I'm an Eagles fan too. This is the best season we've had in, since the Super Bowl. So, do you remember when the Steelers started six and zero and then they missed the playoffs? That was fun. Mm, are you trying to like wish that on me? Maybe, maybe just slightly. I mean, you guys just won this week. Why are you so? <laughs> finally, yeah, we finally won. Why are you so? I agree. Petty right I think now? college football is better than NFL. It's more fun to watch. Uh, the games are better. The intensity is there. The fan bases just seem more excited. Uh, I'm all for college football. Just college athletics in general. I like college basketball. I don't like watching NBA. There's just something about these kids doing it for kind of the love of the game, which has been a big discussion, obviously, in golf and with contracts. Um, the, the amount of money that's just being thrown around, I think a lot of people are just sick of hearing that and seeing that side, like Dan said, just the corporate side. And with college, it's just you have this affiliation to your school, you're so loyal to it. And it well, just- Well, not anymore. NIL. Yeah, true. But still, it has that spirit to it. Sam, what do you prefer? I think college for sure. I mean, I think there's a couple of reasons. One is more legit than the other. But the main reason being that there's such a low percentage of college athletes that actually make it pro in any sport. But in football, I looked it up earlier. I think it's like 1.5%. And there's something college athletes go pro in something other than sports. (laughs) Yeah, but it's something like it's something like less than 2%. And I think that that, you know, watching them really fight to get to their next goal or whatever it is, hopefully it's the NFL and seeing that passion in the fight on the field, like you said, but then let's not forget that the mascots are way better. There's like live animals in college football. And in, in NFL, it's like the Cowboys. I that's, that means nothing to me. There's are you not no a big Cowboy. fan of fireman Ed for the jets? I don't know if he's still problematic or not. Um, I mean, he's okay, but he doesn't, he doesn't rival with, uh, Tusk at like we had at Arkansas, the mm. actual hog we put on the field. Like that's so awesome. Or what that's about true. the Cowboys fans that wear jean shorts and have a pack of Marlboros? Like just <laughs> yeah, hanging, that's the like a Lucy in their ear. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just think that's something that is underrated about college sports. You make a really great guys. point. Yeah, you make a great point. Seeing like a little cute dog roll around on the field is something special. I mean, I rooted for Georgia because of the Bulldogs. I mean, seeing a cute little bulldog out there? Come on. Come on, see you. They literally run with a fucking buffalo. A buffalo! Charles Darwin is rolling in his grave with the bulldog, (laughs) surviving as long as it did, you know? Yeah, I think um, aside from obviously the athletic part, there's some other, you know, outlying things. Like you said, the fan base, the mascots, stuff like that, that I think are just more fun. This just sounds like an elitist mentality. It's like, we went to school. We're educated. Most NFL fans are not. That's what I'm picking up from this. That's okay. I'm okay with that take. Yeah, I I am too. (laughs) Speaking of elitist pricks, let's talk about golf. So we're moving into the Zozo Championship. And Ricky Fowler came out of nowhere and is having a little bit of a comeback. Do we think that Ricky is officially back? He didn't win, but he was finally in the mix. He well, he had cut. he was in the final group, finished second, uh, missed a short putt that kind of cost him. 
he had a uh, he was what T six at Napa, missed a cut, and now he's T two. He's I guess gone to Butch Harmon. Yeah, so back. he's he's yeah. changed coaches, equipment, and caddy. So he has done a complete change uh, with his entire team, and is yeah again trying to have a comeback. One thing that is still crazy to me is that Ricky hasn't been I would say relevant within golf tournaments for a while now it's been it's been years since he's won and you would I was watching the Zozo and you're looking in the crowd and there's grown-ass men wearing all orange and it's like this appeal that Ricky has still it would be amazing for golf if, if he can get his game back get into the winning circle and unfortunately for me so there was this meme going around that someone made a fake tweet and it said, if Ricky wins a major, I will show my tits. <laughs> and so everyone has been tagging me and they're like, does Zozo count? So I'm worried that if Ricky actually does come back, because people think that's a real tweet of mine. I don't, and I don't know if that reflects more on their stupidity or the fact of what I tweet that people think that's real. Some self-reflection there. But if he wins a major, like, do I open the OnlyFans? Like, do I lean into this? Yeah, because I think you're safe, though. I think it's the safest bet you can make. He's not winning a major. So I, so I just played off as if that was actually my real tweet. Yeah, just own a take you didn't even say. I think until it becomes more of a realistic uh, threat that I think you're good, because if he can't beat Keegan Bradley, then you know I think we're good for right now. Yeah, I think you're golden. <laughs> and I will push back. I do think he is relevant in every golf tournament. He's in every other commercial. <laughs> yeah, he's always on TV one way or another. Didn't he lose his tour card last year? Yeah, he's in on like money or career money. Sponsor exemptions. Yeah. Yeah. I think back to, well, this is kind of off topic, but I think back to like the SB 2K or whatever they, you know, the little uh, spring break trip they all did to Bakers. Also thinking about that because I'm going tomorrow. But you remember when like he was playing well during then and then like Smiley and all of them were like actually relevant kind of at the same time. And now it's like, where are these people? (laughs) I remember when Smiley was at like a uh, Natty Light activation in Augusta for the Masters and he had to watch his friends play. And this was like not that long after he was in the final group at Augusta. You know where they are now? Smiley's commentating. and he they're is. He's good, actually. They're dabbing to each other from across the fairway, JT and Smiley. Like that's exactly where I picture them in five years from that point. Yeah, dabbing like five years after it was relevant. And it, it's not like a little one. Like JT's full on like double like dabbing multiple it. at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Like he just keeps going. Just keeps going with it. Yeah. Concerning. I don't know. Um, do you guys, uh, Paige, do you know like Brendan Forath and Andy Johnson from Shotgun Start podcast? Yeah. They did it. They did a segment um, besides this podcast. That's my favorite podcast. And they did a segment last week talking about um, Ricky and Steve, which you guys know my take about Jordan Steve, but Andy said that he's contemplating Ricky having a better 2022 than Jordan, but he's not quite ready to commit to that yet. And while I don't know that Ricky's going to win a major, I do kind of agree with this take. I think that Jordan needs, obviously he's been needing to soul search for a while, but um, I think somebody else who's been struggling and is kind of peeking back into relevancy on the same topic as Brooks. Um, I don't know if you guys watched Sunday or Saturday when do they end those things now Saturday at the live tournament um he like cried in his post-round interview it was so strange like I don't remember him crying when he won 
his majors, but he's crying at a live tournament. Seems a little fake. You think just so? A little, just a little. Yeah. I don't think this meant that much. I think from what I've taken from his interviews in the past, he seems very dramatic. Like he was, he's been one of the top golfers in the world since he came on the PGA tour. And then he was like, I thought my career was over. I never thought I was going to play again. And I mean, I do think it's interesting because it's showing whether it's fake or not, like clearly live means something to him being able to play with his brother and on the team or whatever. I still don't even know how that works, but I thought that was interesting. Um, Although I do think the interviewers on live need a little bit of a crash course in how to interview players, but that's a story for another time. I think Brooks has this quality about him, kind of like LeBron, where he is just constantly trying to be liked and he hates when other people dislike him. So going to live, I think is kind of this, like he try, he almost tries too hard to be liked. And that's why he goes on all these different podcasts. Uh, going to live has kind of shifted the narrative of like him being a cool guy. And uh, I think that's kind of like worn on him. I actually agree with that. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's why him and Bryson are actually more similar than they are dissimilar because of that reason. I think a lot of these guys just truly want to be liked. And when they were on the PGA tour, they were in this little bubble where they were always presented in a favorable light and they very rarely had bad press around him. And I think sometimes with Brooks, he has this guard up because he does want to be liked. He wants to be this cool guy. And I think that a lot of guys, when they went over to the live tour, getting hate for kind of the first time, I think Brooks got it more than some other players, but you had Harold Varner talking about it. You've had multiple players talking about how hard it's been to actually get this amount of hate because something they haven't experienced before. And so I think it was a mix of it just being really draining, um, dealing with things that they haven't had to deal with before, being outside of that protected PGA Tour bubble. Um, he's overcome some injuries. He's had some different life changes with, while getting married. I, I think it was just impactful for him to win again and to have it feel like it actually was a real win. And it felt genuine to me, which was surprising because I was watching it and I was like, oh, he actually is getting choked up and he has never gotten choked up with any of his other PGA tour wins. Um, even with his majors, he wasn't choked up either. So it, it was really fascinating to see him almost have the guard down for a second, which we'd never really see with Brooks for the dozens of people that watched live. <laughs> True. I think Dan makes a good point, And I think it's not to go all therapist on, on this topic, but I think that people who act so hard and like, they don't give a shit what anyone thinks, which is what Brooks was doing the whole time with the Bryson feud. He was acting like, I don't care. I don't care what anyone thinks about me. Like I'm, I think that really deep down means that he really does care. Mm -hmm. And so to Dan's point, I think that it's like, it's, it's deep down like need for acceptance. And I think you're right, Paige, the, the hate that he was getting, because if you think about it, the hate from before when he was on tour was probably just like when he played bad, it wasn't because of anything he was really like actions he was making or things he was doing, but everybody gets that, you know, like P Max Homo will retweet people who like cuss at him for playing bad because they lose a bad or something. I, and I think that that Faraday episode was tough. Where's yeah. Like, I don't eat American meat. All right, dude. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that. That definitely was not uh, a helpful way to get people to fall in love with you. I don't think. But he would dunk on Bryson as like an easy dub, so people would accept him. 
And then it got to the point where it's like, all right, dude, you're just being mean now. Like, yeah, yeah we, we, none of us like Bryson, but you are just going above and beyond to just kick this horse while he's down. Yeah, it's a defense mechanism. I know I do it on social media. It's like if you make fun of yourself first or that's how I do it to like protect myself because you have to because it's not normal for a, a human being to endure that much hate and that much emotional it's trauma that people are constantly hating on you over and over and over again. And before, yeah, it wasn't that personal, but now it's personal. And it was interesting to see that he was yeah, um, emotional and it, it's good for Liv. I mean, to show that a, a tournament win on Liv meant that much to him. So <laughs> we had Brooks being emotional, but then we had Phil being Phil, where he gave this interesting press conference where he was talking about his prior comments and basically said they never happened. <laughs> like there was no interview, like it never happened. And he had this weird henna tattoo of himself, his logo of him jumping. It was just beyond weird. He was talking about how much he loves live and how he made a great decision. And, but, it, but him just being like, nope, didn't happen. I never said that. Like that wasn't that wasn't a thing. It was so weird and so bizarre and so Phil. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, by the way. Just deny, deny, deny. Now no one's talking about the comments he originally made. I was just about to say, do you guys remember when he said that the Saudis were scary motherfuckers and now they're paying off his debt? Because that the good times. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, both me and Phil have been wronged by Alan Shipnuck. <laughs> That is very true. You do have beef against Alan Shipnug. That list might be long. Yeah, probably. Um, but I just wonder if, uh, you know, I think there's two sides of the coin, right? It, it depends on who is actually factually right. And I don't think we'll ever know because nobody else was in on that conversation with them. But the dude's writing a book about you. If you don't want something to be said, maybe just don't say it. Or just say off record. Like right. But he knows is it by just. Now. Right. Is it that he doesn't know how journalists and interviews work? Or is it that he's now trying to backtrack? Like, I can't really decide what, what side I want to be on. It was interesting because both sides are so polar opposite. So Phil is like, we never talked. It never happened. It wasn't an interview. And Alan's like, he called me and he initiated this conversation. And so, yeah, I don't think we'll ever know who was right, who was wrong. But it just sounds like a weird thing to lie about. Like, why would Alan lie about that and, and pull these quotes out of nowhere? It, it just doesn't seem like he would put his reputation and his career at risk with just false quotes. Because Paige, they are scary motherfuckers. True. But I guess it's like, what, what is the next step in this? That's what I keep thinking about. How are we going to find out what actually happened? We probably never will. So like, is it just going to be a he said, she said, like, thing and then it's just gonna go away phone records. just gonna move on yeah i mean 48 hour news cycle we'll forget about this by next but week the henna tattoo what was that it looked like a sasquatch like is that what they're doing at live tournaments like free henna tattoos yeah i mean they're going balls to the wall this is i actually have a henna tattoo right here this lighthouse it's not real i just haven't taken a shower since february Wait, can you imagine if you go to a live tournament, you know, when you go to like the zoo and they have like the options of what you can get face painted on you. And it's like you can get each logo from the, from the teams. <laughs> so you, you 
I'm going to get the fireballs on my face. You get the fireballs. You can get Phil's logo. You can get um, Bryson's, you know, a hat logo. (laughs) Go fully torque. (laughs) We ruled out that it might be uh, that he got branded. Did we rule that out yet? No, we have like initiation. It's just a thought. Like you have to prove your loyalty to live by getting branded. Well, this was the event in Saudi Arabia. So could could be. Just a creepy thought I had. It's so chunky. And like, like not to body shame Phil's henna tattoo, but like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's giving Sasquatch. Like, I don't know. It's very I'm looking at a picture of it right now and I'm quite disturbed. Do you think it was a licking stick? Oh, it could be. And he just, you know, kind of fat fingered. Moved it around. Yeah. yeah. Mm, like a fruit roll up kind of like the tongue tattoo things. Yeah, maybe. Live. Or golf, but louder. What's that's their tagline? I will say one of their taglines is don't blink. Every time I watch, I, this is one thing that I do love about live. There's so much golf shots, so many golf shots happening. You look away for two seconds, you miss like three shots. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> they don't give a shit about the pre-shot routine or anything like that. They're just golf shot, golf shot, golf shot, golf shot. And it, then it's come up and it's like, don't blink. And I'm like, I had to blink. And then I missed three golf shots. It's almost like they don't have sponsors. Yeah. And they're playing on YouTube to 12 people, like you said before. And have to pay for a TV contract. Yeah, this is going well for them. It is interesting, though, with the amount of people who are watching on YouTube. They say it's anywhere from like 40,000 to 80,000 at the most, which I don't think is actually all that bad when you look at streaming on YouTube. But I would be curious to actually see the true numbers of people who are watching the Zozo Championship as well. I think that the numbers that they give are quite fabricated compared to the numbers that you're seeing on social media. And this is kind of an issue that I have is because sometimes you can't fully get the exact numbers for a magazine ad or on TV, or they can see your logo on like a hat or a towel or a bag. But on social media, you can always get the exact number of people who click through or how many people see it. And so I think people... How many of those are actual people though? True. How many are bots? I think it's a little easier to fabricate numbers online than it is with, what is it, the Nielsen rating? Dan, shut up. You're just like totally ruining what I'm trying to say right now. Mm-hmm. So this was my pitch to sponsors listening to be like, social media is better Actually, than traditional media. So shut up. Pay page You're killing all of us right now. I agree though. And I, you, have you ever noticed when, you know, the Golf Channel PR will come out after a tournament on their little tweets and be like, uh, audience was up 50% from last year and it's somehow up 50% every single year. And I'm like, how is, I don't know where they're getting these numbers. Does that mean that somebody watched, like was clicking up above channels and then that counted because you were tuned in for half a second? I just don't know what the, what the measurement is. And I'm curious on that as well. Obviously I agree with Paige that social because that's what I do, but that social is better. But, um, I don't know. It's very interesting. And I mean, this tournament in Jetta was, was obviously going to be lower because of the time on, I think it was on at like 3 30 AM. So um, which is a whole other thing, but then they're coming to Miami for the championship or whatever. And one last thing that I have to talk about speaking about live is Brooks. Did you see in his, um, interview at the end, he was like, yeah, kind of sucks. There's only one tournament left. You know, we just have Miami. I'm like, wasn't that the whole fucking point of you guys going to live was to play less golf. And now you're bitching that you don't have more golf, like pick a side, bro. And then guys playing on like the dp world tour 
for points playing in asia like yeah no everything they said was a lie it's crazy yeah patrick reed has been gone they said like eight weeks out of like <laughs> he's played every single week like he's Reed's traveling grinding all, right now in asia oh yeah all around the world like he is He's seeing his kids less now than when he was on the PGA tour. And he had that whole piece about, you know, how great it was to be home. And this hypothetical, just in case, if they want to sue us, we're not actually saying this. HB3 missed his child's birthday. Granted, he didn't say that. Pat Perez did. And HB3 has actually been pretty honest with why he took the money. So he's He's the only only one. one, Yeah. yeah, It's been like super honest and upfront and it was just like, well, I just want to give my kids kids money. And I'm like, okay, well, I respect the honesty, but I think we're overlooking like the most obvious issue. It's still golf. There's only so much of an audience that's going to watch golf. Now you're splitting that. And I don't even know if you are splitting it because anyone that's like a dick rider for live golf, they never actually watch the product. No, it's almost like they just, want to support live because they hate the pga tour it's not that they actually they want to be contrary yeah. doing which i get yeah. you know yeah it's how you live your life mm-hmm. fade in the public <laughs> i want to ask you guys about this because john daly is going to have a movie made about him and jonah hill is playing john daly do you love the casting or hate it don't jump in right away just take your time. Um, I think that the casting works. I'm curious. Okay. John Daly is a fellow Razorback. So I'm obviously going to have to support this, but I'm just wondering like, why? Like, I'm just wondering what is, I'm trying to picture the movie. Like, is it just going to be 60 minutes of a guy running, like sitting in a golf cart, smoking a cigarette? Like, I don't, I don't really get it. I think it's strange. I don't think he has as good of a career as somebody else we could maybe target maybe just because he's entertaining mm. i don't know yeah it's entertaining so like they need to actually dig into his life and really show yeah. how much of a dirtbag he is and i think that would, like if jonah hill's just wolf of wall street jonah hill with like a little sprinkle of john daly like yeah no that's perfect does jonah hill know how to play golf is it going to be one of those things where it's like they're going to have like little john come in and do the swings for him i didn't know he could skate he made an entire movie that he directed for his first film was a skate movie. And he's just like, yeah, this is my childhood. I'm like, what? Do you think people will care? Like, are they going to go see a John Daly movie? It's so niche. That's what I was saying is like, it's so niche. If you ask somebody who just watches golf on the weekends and if they just started watching golf, they probably don't really know who John Daly is as much as we do from 10, 15 years ago. I would but argue I think the opposite. I would argue he's more of a public figure to people that don't watch golf or more casual fans of golf just because of like his lifestyle. So most of the South as well. Like if you're SEC country, you know who John Daly is. I mean, if they don't have a segment in the Hooters parking lot at Augusta, like what are we doing? I just don't know. I've watched docs on John Daly and he seems to have, have a pretty interesting life, but it's only interesting because of his addiction issues. So I just don't know if there's like other things that have been left out that he hasn't talked about, but they, they're going to have to do a pretty big deep dive into his life, I think, to make it a really good movie. But you can make anything interesting. I mean, it's Jonah Hill. Like they can fabricate things. Like they, we think about some movies that they've made and it's like, it's going to be, 
I don't know if I would even want a movie made about me because you're going to have to fabricate so many things. And it's like, I don't want people to think that's how my life really is. And I feel that he might see that the same way too. Like, do you want people assuming that there's all these things that happen in your life that didn't, like never even happened? Um, I don't think it's really fabrication. Daly's got a lot of stories that I've heard like off the record that would make for a good movie. I'll say that. I do think the the does Jonah Hill play golf thing is interesting because if he doesn't, then they're going to have to teach him how to swing like John Daly as his first golf swing. And that's a little tragic if you think about it. And forever, he will always swing like John <laughs> yeah. Daly. Yeah. That would be kind of funny. If there was one movie about a golfer you'd be dying to see, who would it be? Mine would be Dustin Johnson. I think it's a boring movie. No, I feel like it would be really interesting. Because I think there's a lot that has happened in his life that people don't know about. And Falling they, down the it's, pre- it's like pretty private. And I think people speculate a lot on, on situations that have happened with him. But it would actually be interesting to hear from him and the people inside his life on like who he really is and how he's become so successful. This is a super this is a super niche answer, but I find it very interesting how Patrick Cantley has such kind of a quiet and background life where he doesn't really say anything like ever. I don't know that I need a whole movie, but I would like to know more about him. Well, they also had that huge car accident too, which people seem to always forget unless he's in the mix and they bring it up every time. Every time. Yeah. And I'm over Patrick Cantley. I'm good. We can holster that movie. All right, fine. (laughs) Sorry. He's just like a total snooze to me. He like, I I don't. Yeah. But give me something to get up about. Ah, uh, there's not a lot of golfers out there that like live interesting lives. They're pretty boring. Like most athletes, though. I would say if you could give me like, do you remember when Jenna and Brooks and all their whole team went to Italy? Like, give me a below deck version of Brooks's life. I think a Brooks movie would be interesting. A Brooks Jenna movie would be very fascinating. Yeah. What about what about early Spieth if you actually told the stories about Spieth? <laughs> Then it would end with me saying he was a phase and then him naming his child after me. So I love that movie. <laughs> I think some of the older guys would be fascinating. Like Tom Weiskopf would be a really interesting movie. Have they made a Payne Stewart movie? Payne Stewart would be amazing. I mean, like Jack, Tiger, Arnie. How about a movie about like the class of Morikawa, Hovland, but like all of them together? That'd be cool. Isn't that, that just a Netflix cool. series? <laughs> yeah, now that they're the only ones left on the PGA Tour, yeah, probably. I'm really excited for that. I can't wait for that to come out. I think that's going to be absolutely electric. Good year to do it. Yeah, amazing year to do it. It's like they knew something. It's weird. Conspiracy theory. They, they did it themselves. It was Netflix, the higher power. Oh, what about Tony? You can, you can do the en- entire like first act with him on big break. Ooh, a good Tony Finau movie. I could get into that. He had kind of a rough childhood, too. He used to be a Samoan fire dancer. Fun fact. All in on Tony. So, yeah, I'm all in on Tony. And his, and his, and his seven kids, or however many kids he has. Oh, and him, we could do like a whole dramatic sequence on him rolling his ankle at the par three. <laughs> that still haunts me. 
You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Okay, so we're going to move on to some TNA. We haven't done this in a while, but we're going to mix it up and we're going to do some life relationship and golf advice. So our first question is best advice you have received from a partner. Okay. I you go first. Know. I was waiting for you guys to jump in. Best advice I received from a partner. I would say that don't nag them or be insecure about if they're cheating or not cheating, because no matter what you say, no matter what you do, they're going to end up doing it regardless. So either you just can relax, trust your partner and try not to think of that because again, no matter what you do, they're going to end up doing it anyways. So don't waste your time worrying about that happening. That's what the partner told you. He's like, I'm going to cheat on you. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) No, he, they said that she was going to cheat on that. I would say kind of page. It goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago is that it's important for each person in the relationship to have their own thing. Hey, there you go. Bingo. You can have things together. Like you can both like to play golf, but that doesn't mean that both people have to be golfers. Like everybody needs to have activities that are on their own to kind of independence and to give each other independence. That's something that I find really important. Yeah. They got to have their own friend group. They got to have their own life. You got to compliment each other. You can't really suck off each other in well, certain aspects, you, yeah, know, sometimes behind, you know, in the bedroom. Yeah. What he said. What's the best advice you got, Dan? I was just going to like, Kind of say what she said. That's why I said bingo. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do it. I, I was forced into it. You have to be forced into doing this as well. The best advice I've ever received from a significant other. Well, clearly it hasn't worked, right? No. Not to this point. 
Um, I would say... You, I mean, you've dated some MILFs in your day. I'm sure they had some wisdom. They, they have had some wisdom, yeah. Some, some kooks, some, some women with some life experience. Uh, they don't really pass down that knowledge, though. Uh, you know, they don't really keep me around for longer than necessary. That's heartbreaking. We'll move on yeah. then. Obviously, you're not. <laughs> but if you were a guy, would you be an ass or a boob man? I would definitely be a boob guy because Child. you can grow. No, hold on. You can grow an ass. You can't just grow boobs. You'd have to get fake boobs. So I think someone who has like nice natural boobs and then can work on growing an ass, like that's like the, the, the sweet spot, the perfect combination. I would agree with that. I think, you know, that I think boobs are fascinating. And my boyfriend thinks they're so fascinating. He's like, they're just there all day. They just like sit there. They're just little like sacks. And I'm like, yeah, they're pretty fun. And I think, I think I'm fascinated by them as well. Yeah. Boobs are like a nice accessory. But you know, ass is the real vehicle. And I, I, Paige is just saying this because she's jealous of my ass. That's, That's true. Is. You do have a very juicy, nice ass. I have a better ass than 95% of women. That's but, true. And it's real. No offense, but like yeah. you, can, you can grow an ass. Like I don't want to have to go get like a BBL. And it just even sometimes they look a little bit weird. And I, I just think nice boobies. How's your fitness journey going? Yeah, shut up. You know, this is a sensitive topic for me and I have a small butt and I work really hard at it and it's just not happening. Okay. And that's why I'm a boot guy. Just hurtful, Dan. You're just like You'll never daggers get to the heart. Okay. Name a personality trait you find attractive and no cliche. So like not goal-driven, motivated, funny. So something that's a bit unique that you find attractive in someone. Someone who likes to go out to eat. Is that a very niche answer? Like I've dated people who like don't like to go out to eat because they want to just cook and stay in. But I think there's something about keeping things interesting and going on dates when you're dating, even if you've been dating for a long time, like not getting in somebody who doesn't stay complacent, somebody who always keeps dating. It's like go out to eat, go out to dinner, go make plans for a date. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with that. That's always fun who's down to try new things and like want to keep going out and, and they can be a homebody too, but still like making the effort to go out on dates and make it feel fresh and new. I'd say for me, I like someone who, I don't know if this is a cliche, but like doesn't take themselves too seriously, which I think it is, but there's nothing worse than being with someone who can't be goofy. Like when you're acting goofy and they're looking at you like you're embarrassed. Like I, I dislike that so much. And it's fun being with someone who is goofy, who isn't afraid of like having people judge them. It's like dancing in a grocery aisle or doing something silly or goofy. Or if I do something goofy, like not looking at me, like I'm embarrassing them. I, I like someone like that. I think people who have fun, it keeps life light because it can be so hard and if you have someone who's always so serious all the time it can just be a real downer exactly like why are you deadlifting so much weight man get out of the gym she let me hit because it's goofy but that's why that's why women like funny guys though and because they and it's better when you're with someone who can like make you laugh and keep things light instead of being someone's like so serious you have to like look a certain way 
I remember I dated this guy and he was like looking at my hands. He's like, you don't have a manicure. How can you not have a manicure? And if like I wasn't dressed perfectly, then he felt that it was a reflection on him and he felt self-conscious. And if I ever did something goofy, it, he hated it. And it just made, it drove me crazy. It drove me crazy. And I was like, I could never, ever be with someone like that. I like a woman that can drive and I don't fear for my life when I'm in the car. That's actually a really good one for a guy because so many bitches can't drive. Oh, I'm aware. And one of them's on this podcast. <laughs> I am said bitch. <laughs> I can't drive. Like, I am honestly such a bad driver. I've improved a lot recently in my older age because I am scared to change lanes. I have like some weird thing. Like I get like anxious when I have to change lanes. But if I don't have to drive, I won't drive. I hate driving. I am such a bad driver. I seriously get the worst anxiety if I have to parallel park. Can't do it. I will find a whole new, whole new spot. I think you missed the exit twice when we went to the San Diego Zoo. <laughs> yeah, I almost killed Dan. But did you die? No. Exactly. Well, a part of me did inside. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not faithful to that. Is it weird for your ex to completely ghost you after it was a peaceful, mutual split? No, I think that it's fine to not have communication with your ex. And I'm sure that even your new partner probably appreciates that. I think sometimes, depending on the situation, it is kind of weird to have communication with like your ex and like to talk to them all the time. I agree. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Like there's something about moving on that I think it's almost weirder if you do have a lot of communication still with them. And I think it can form a mistrust with your current partner that maybe it's just not the road to go down. I totally get it. My last ex just blocks me on everything, cut it off. Um, uh, no ill will towards her. I get it. Um, that's probably the proper way to handle it. It's just to, you know, Clean pretend they don't it. even exist. Yeah. But no, uh, there is a healthy way, I guess, to go about just continuing a friendship. Yeah, I, I think it really does depend on like how long you've dated and the whole situation. But for the most part, it's like if you had like a long relationship with someone, then it is probably better to just ghost. And I don't see an issue with like checking in here and there if it was someone that you do really care for or things that you've been through. But uh, talking every day is probably not super healthy and like you need time after the breakup to have that period of no contact because I think if you do keep in contact, you have almost like an unhealthy bond with that person because it is comfortable and it is easy to stay in contact with them and it is just better to cut it and move on. So next question is, just had our third child. How do I convince my wife to let me get back on the course? So I think it depends on how old the kid is and how much you're helping around the house. I can see the wife being frustrated if she's home with this newborn. And I don't know the ages of the other two, but I'm assuming they're probably on the younger side as well. That could be so overwhelming and very hectic. I don't have kids, but I've seen my older sister with her two kids. And sometimes it's just too much for her to handle on her own. And I can't imagine after having her second, having her husband or no help for six, seven hours. So if there's a way that maybe he could take the two older kids with him on the golf course, but you have to have 
some type of communication to figure this out. Cause you can't just leave her there with the kids, not doing anything, not helping and just go play golf. Like I would understand with your wife being pissed. So is it taking the older one with you? Is it taking the two older ones with you? Is it maybe taking the baby? Like there are ways to go around it, but you can't just abandon your family to go play golf. No, you can. And uh, I'm going to give you the strategy. How uh, you got to plant seeds early on. You got to almost feel like you, ha- you have to go out of your way to s- kind of help out initially and be so bad at taking care of the kids that she doesn't want you around. Oh my God. That's such a guy move. And I, that's that. definitely a strategy though, because like sometimes if you just never want to do something again, just be really bad at it. Like my mom never asked me to do the dishes again because mm-hmm. one time I just got water all over the floor. And so now I never have to do it again. Did I do it on purpose? Maybe. But I think it's, if there's one thing about women, it's that we're going to keep tabs for the right, like whether it's right or wrong. And I think he's onto something maybe like get your tab in the positive a little bit <laughs> and then um build up that that goodwill yes but also don't make it obvious don't like put the diaper on the kid's head but like you know <laughs> fuck up something that's just just off of perfect yeah but i think another strategy you know if you want to go like the nice route rather than the the dick route um is maybe you know propose to her that you get a babysitter and both of you go do something for yourselves right like Hey, I'm, I would love to go play golf with the guys. I, I think you deserve a spa day. Let's get a babysitter and like just both be without the kids for a day. Another, that's definitely, <laughs> yeah, like that's another way to, to get her to agree is to make sure that she feels like she's getting something for herself too. Great point. Give some to get some. <laughs> Last question. How do you handle talking about past relationships? I, how many people have you been with? That question. How do you answer that question? Because I feel that it's a question guys tend to always ask a lot. Girls ask Why? too. I don't know. Every relationship, almost every relationship I've been in, they've always been like, how many people have you been with? Don't. This is odd. Is this something that I've only dealt with? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know people still cared about that. Yeah. Past, like how many, how many yeah. boys have you kissed? And like You did in 21 year olds or what's happening? Really? I didn't. That's like, this isn't a, a, not a normal thing. No, no, you don't want, you don't want that answer. Cause so, I don't want to give my answer. So what do I do? You, I, I'm just in general, I always lean towards like only provide information that affects our relationship. Right. So yes. like if, if anything from my past doesn't like, isn't beneficial for you to know, then I'm going to just forget about it and you never have to know about it. Need to know. Okay. Need to know basis. That's what I was trying to think of. Okay. So, so what if, what if hypothetically, like just speaking, if someone had an issue with wanting to know every detail of someone's past, how do you, how do you get over that? You move on. You find someone else. Aren't you fascinated by it? Okay. No. Just call me out. I mean, it can be fascinating, but it could also be a huge red flag that's waving in your face that you're choosing to ignore. See, I like, I like to know everything because I'm nosy. Like, I want to know the people you've dated. I want to know their name. Like, I want to know everything about them. I've, so, I've yeah, always you been like that. You want to be able to like stalk them on Instagram. I get it. But it's not even about that. Like, I want to know, like, how did you guys meet? How long did you date for? Like, did you, like, what did you do? Like, I want to know every single detail. Why? I don't know. I'm just like nosy. I just want to know. But what does that have to do with you? I don't know. My therapist and I are working through this. It's a big issue. Yeah. I'm improving, improving, Mm -hmm. but I just like to know, like, I don't, I don't think it comes from a a place of toxicity. 
but it just it well is. that's the thing too you want a little toxicity in your relationship it just keeps a things little interesting yeah okay i guess it does give me ammo if i ever like need to pick a fight you know that's the only reason you're doing it and am i the toxic one you always have been always will be nasa meme the pew, two pew, astronauts pew. Yeah, i'm finding so much about myself okay well i'll i'll bill you don't worry but the guy asking this I how do you deal with that question? Just don't don't ask. Just be like, I what do you, what do you say to your partner if someone asks you that? It's not important to us moving forward. I would be tempted to ask them why they want like get down to the reason of why they want to know. Maybe if you dig deep enough into that, it's because like, oh well, I've been cheated on and it really bothers me. And then you know that you're getting into that situation, you know, because there's a reason behind every behind everything, and especially when people ask questions about past relationships. So I would dig deep into that because that might be something that you want to avoid. Yeah. You only disclose if you're still in like, communication with somebody, I'd imagine, like a, an ex or somebody you hooked up with that's like still in your life. Yeah. So and that if, would be something that you would tell, but everything else mm -hmm. is just... You'd be upfront about that, be honest, yeah. but everything else doesn't matter. Okay. I mean, that's, that's amazing advice. I've learned a lot. I hope you guys learned a lot too. And I want to thank Dan and Sam for being on and guiding me in the right direction, apparently, because I need some advice too. It's just going to be TNA where I ask you guys advice, but I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget if you, oh yes, Dan. Now, Sam, where can they find you uh, and your, your work? My Instagram and Twitter are Samantha S. Marks. You can find all of my terrible takes on Jordan Spieth on my Twitter all day. Sounds good. And you can listen to me on Softcore History. It's a uh, weird and obscure history podcast I do with my two friends. This week, we actually had uh, Jesse Wiseman, our, our other good friend, fill in for one of our hosts. And we covered uh, some crazy witch trials in England in the 1600s. Perfect for an October little listen right there. Mm -hmm. It's a little Halloween Horror Nights. A little spooky oh. month. Love that. Okay. So again, go follow and support Dan and Sam and support the podcast. You can um, listen on anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Go give us a good review. Write something special. Give us five stars. And don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. And we will catch you here next time. Thanks for listening. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? My check engine light's on. Mm, that could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free fix finder service can help find the fix for free. Get in zone. This whole report for free? That's right. Printed and on your phone for free. Get in zone. But what if the fix is too tough? We'll recommend a local shop. Fix finder only at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.
Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com.com slash compatibility.